Hi, I'm Jai. I'm TJ. I'm John Luke. And this, this is, is Three Cousins Do a Podcast. A trio of anime, movie, and video game enthusiasts. Anything entertaining, we're on it. So sit back and enjoy the show. Movies. Anime. Video games. Etc. Long ago, the three cousins lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when I moved. Only Super Smash Bros. Online, the master of all our free times, could keep us together. But when we realized the online was trash, we stopped playing. A couple years passed and my cousin named Jai discovered a new way to keep in touch. An overused medium called podcasting. And although it's a great side hustle, we have a lot to learn before we can make any money doing this. But I believe podcasting can keep us together. That's right, listeners. Today we're talking about the Avatar series, specifically The Legend of Korra, which aired from 2012 to 2014. Hope you enjoy. We wanted to start by talking about our general feelings about this whole series, The Legend of Korra. Uh, interesting series, a lot of different ideas that were introduced by the creators compared to the last series. And uh, a lot of people loved it. A lot of people didn't love it. Some people were in the middle. Some people want to kill Korra. They think she's the worst avatar ever. Yada, yada. But um, yeah, how did we feel about it? How did we feel about it when we first watched it? So I feel like as the person with the least amount of knowledge on the series, I should start start first so you guys can expound later. Bad. But um, I, I should clarify, I watched season one and parts of season two when it initially came out. Um, but other than that, I have not seen every single episode like back to back to back. Um, most of season, I'm I'm very familiar with season one, but like I'm fuzzy on seasons two, three, and four. But I have a general idea of what happens. As for my ideas about the um, series as a whole, I feel like I feel like it's overhated by the people who really hate it. I think that criti- I think that a lot of the criticism the criticisms are valid, which I'm sure you guys are going to talk about the criticisms. But I think that there are a couple of obvious things that are a lot better about Korra than um, than the Last Airbender. And the first thing that's obvious is um, the animation. The pencil mileage is crazy on the show, and the animation is great. Um, yes, you, you, I mean, you, you guys mentioned uh, before we started recording the Zaheer and Tenzin fight, which is really cool. And like, even even like just the first couple episodes, um, when you have even like little baby core just doing the the air bending or the intro scene where you have water fire earth air the whole intro that that was really well animated so Dude, i think that, the air portion of that intro always goes hard you yeah, goes to my handstand yo that's the best part <laughs> but and, but like that's an obvious thing because the animation should be better as the years go on but i also think that conceptually with what Korra was trying to do, The Legend of Korra was trying to do as a series, writing-wise, I think the themes are really good. And I, I think, especially for the time that the show was created, the themes were important and they were really good to be explored. Whether or not the show explored those well enough, Executed. That, that's debatable. But honestly, as a whole, I prefer The Last Airbender better, but I also can't really take off my, my nostalgia goggles like that. I, I understand my bias 
I just don't think that The Legend of Korra is as strong as The Last Airbender in terms of being a good childhood show and a good show in general. And, you know, going off of that point, too, you talked about the interesting, like, premises and themes and everything. Uh, We would be remiss if we didn't mention the absolute, uh, for lack of a better word, hell the development went through with Legend of Korra. It started out as they were only going to get one season. That's why that whole season was bookended like that. Then they were renewed for more. They kept getting renewed, so they had to do new stories every time. And near the tail end, they stopped getting like the budget required. That's why you have a couple of those recap episodes in season four with barely, with mostly reused animation, and why it was moved off of Nickelodeon to just the episodes premiering on the website. Oh, yeah. And like they, they, they really did the show dirty. But that being said, I can't, like me, I can't judge a show based on what it was supposed to be or what it was intended to be. I can only judge it based on what it was and what I saw. And that being said, Korra is still a good show. It's it's not bad. There are much worse shows out there. The animation is great. Music is great. The character designs, everything. Like, it's Avatar. But... That's also a problem because it's Avatar, yeah, and it is going to be prepared, compared to The Last Airbender, not only because it takes place in the same universe, but it's essentially a sequel. So if I look at Korra as a standalone thing, it's fine. There are parts in it I didn't like. There are parts that I really liked. But comparing it to The Last Airbender, it doesn't stand up, and that's not entirely the show's fault. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I mean, I don't want to be redundant, but I think the biggest thing that I liked about the show is that its ideas were just very just innovative in the way that they were thinking about new bending powers, the way that they thought about consequences in terms of bending, just different fights, different situations that they put characters in were just cool in the way that they were thinking. And they probably had like a whole bunch of ideas before and that they wanted to maybe use with avatar this could have been some of the like not thrown out ideas but like earlier concept stuff and they're like oh we can bring it into this and i also like how like technology uh has advanced in their time and like you see bending with technology and it makes it made me wonder at the time like oh what would this be in like our day like how would bending work now like how would uh because you saw like in the first season how they used uh lightning bending to power their what was it steam things or something i forgot what it was um but stuff like that was just cool um but again like john like you said just the execution on all of the big philosophical ideas and like character development wasn't exactly there i guess now we can move into our kind of gripes with the show um i wouldn't I wouldn't spend like going season by season, like attacking every little nitty gritty, just like kind of give an overall like sense of like what was wrong, either either with the whole the whole series or if you're going to do each season, just make it like cliff notes kind of thing. Don't go like, ah, this, 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 you know. Also, spoilers, uh, of course, like yeah, if spoilers, you turn to this podcast, it's a spoiler <laughs> zone. You're going to get spoiled on something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you're not that's, just, that's for sure. Okay, so uh, once again, I'll go quickly. Um, first season, biggest disappointment. Amon could have been so much, 
so much better, I feel. I feel that they didn't use him. Okay. Like, like TJ said, we can only judge the show for what it was. And I just personally don't like Amon's backstory. I, I Honestly, I would have been completely fine if Amon had stayed unmasked the entire time. I think the I, I think that Amon's character should have been an ideal rather than a person. You know what I mean? Because the idea of like bending of, of benders being the um, the oppressive majority, right? Mm-hmm. I think that is a is a great idea, a, a great idea for a villain, especially if if the villain is like if the villain is trying to like start or inside a revolution. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Excuse me. And I, I think that I think that if he had stayed unmasked, maybe his, his strength as a villain would have been a bit more a bit more powerful, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I guess they wanted to explain why he could take people's bending away. But honestly, like I don't think they really need to do that. I don't think they really needed to do that. I mean, like if they had just thrown in a line, like, like okay, not throw it in line, but like maybe explain, do a bit of exposition here, talking about the cheat locking. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. I, I don't feel like they they had to go into his his whole his whole his whole backstory because I found his backstory to be pretty weak mm-hmm. personally. But, yeah, going but, off of that, John Luke, like yeah. legit, the cheat blocking could have been enough. Like, I'd really like your idea to like keep him masked and just be like. Yeah, I'm a chi blocker, and I just blocked your points that you use to bend. Right. And it's like, wow, that 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 that's threatening. It has an air of mystery to it, and like they didn't necessarily have to go the angle that they did. But yeah, yeah. they didn't. But once again, they did go that. They did go that. They did go that way. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. I just think that it could have been a lot better, um, in the way they executed it. Executed that. Other than that, a couple things that I have, like, I really miss, like, the whole bending tournament thing. I wish it had just been, like, a constant thing throughout the entire series. But, like, that, that that's that's just me. That's just me. Because it, <laughs> it, it, was, it was just so cool. Like, bending sports, it's just, yeah. they could have expanded on that idea a lot better. But that's a little nitpicky thing. Only other thing I have is I'm not the biggest fan of the um, Hora Asami romance. Like they not is it, con- is it confirmed? At the end right? of the series, like yeah. I'm not saying that they had to they had to make it like a romance show, but like at the end of the series, was there any like sort of confirmation that they were getting to get like they kissed at the end of the show, right? Like no, no, no? no. Nickelodeon wouldn't allow for that. So like part of that is due to the network stopping them from showing more overt right. things, but and. In my opinion, it honestly wasn't built up that way. Yeah. And I would like to stress for all our viewers, this isn't us saying that we hate Kor and Asami for any political reason or because they're both women and they're getting nah. together. No, this is, I, I hate specifically the buildup and how yeah. it wasn't built Locked up properly. Out. Yep. Yeah, there, there was no, there was no sort of like, well, honestly, the, the Avatar doesn't need to have a romantic interest. Like that was it was always in like the back. Like I, I didn't care for I didn't care for Mako and Cora either. It was like no, nah, that was always just it was always just like why just like it was just don't like, need it don't need it don't need, yeah yeah like and once again comparing it to the last Airbender, 
Aang and Aang and Katara was like a thing from day one, like from episode one, building up throughout the entire series that, and which culminated in their, in their kissing at the end of the show. Compared to Korra and Mako or Korra and Asami, which it's just like, kind of like a half-assed thing. They just kind of threw it in there. It wasn't yeah. really, yeah. But those, yeah. Are, those are all my gripes. Um, I, yeah, those are all my gripes. I don't really have anything too specific to say, um, story element-wise. Talk, going back to Aman and sort of the explanation for chi blocking, the blood bending. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that there are benders out there that can blood bend without a full moon and all that. The part that really irked me was in that flashback where Yakone opened his eyes a little wider and blood bended an entire court. was moving hard. That's stupid. That's understand. so dumb. Like literally all the bending is supposed to be based off martial arts. Like in, in the last time it was all based off martial arts. In Korra, they did something cool with it. They started integrating like boxing and more Western uh, uh, types of Western styles of mm-hmm. martial arts into it. But to just have a dude open his eyes a little longer and pull off this crazy feat, that's dumb to me. Very, very dumb. Yeah, we were talking about that. And like, if you just powered it down a little bit to where it's like he made himself exhausted by using it like once, it would make a little bit more sense. Yeah, either like that, that or like, if, if he bloodbended Toph to unlock, unchain the handcuffs or yeah. whatever first, and then was able to bloodbend the whole courtroom doing these gestures and you see him like... Boomy was sweating, lifting a giant boulder. Boomy, the strongest earthbender possibly of all time. And this man can bloodbend an entire courtroom by just opening his eyes. And very, like, very controlled, too. It's like they were all, like, controlled. Like, it should have, like, a range. Maybe, like, a psychic range. Like, maybe the people that are farther from you, you can't, like, I don't know. You can't just... Ah, lock their bodies up like that. I don't know. Here, here's the and here's the thing about that specifically. I want to in um the last Airbender when uh Ang and when the gang went to go break out Bumi from Omashu because Omashu had been uh, occupied by the Fire Nation. Um, in the end, Bumi was like Bumi. Bumi revealed that he could Earthbend even though he was in a coffin because his face was still like exposed, right? Which, like, I guess if they wanted to base um, um, uh, the blood bending on like that moment where oh I guess he could use his face, but like I feel like there were better ways to go about it. And in going and, off of that example, Boomy at least cocked his whole head back. Right. A single yeah. rock came and undid the metal coffin, and then he was free to bend however he wanted. Yeah, not just <laughs> I yeah. drain yourself. Yeah, like, no. yeah like, that was the whole thing. My thing. Um, with the first season is that I feel like Amon should have kept going and not have been obliterated by Tarlock. And I didn't get why Tarlock committed suicide. Um, yeah, I feel like he should have lived on. And I feel like he could have continued as a villain in the later seasons. Like, my whole thing was like, all right, second season, we don't see him. Maybe we hear some words at the end of the season, of season two, oh, oh, there's this Amon guy, or like these two guys moving around um, and they're doing stuff. We hear that at the end, but season two could be like what it was. 
fine. Season three, you had the Red Lotus. Maybe Amon was part of that. Maybe Amon um, knows who Zaheer is. Maybe like you could have made it something like bigger. I don't know. I feel like every time they had a new season, it was like, all right, yeah, you have your new villain. The only and then it didn't carry over. The only thing that carried over was like the spirit thing, the effects yeah. on that. And I guess in the in the third season, they kind of made Cora have like be affected. Because the first two seasons, I mean, she got her bending back from the first season, which could have been something she could have carried in from the second, mm-hmm. like where she didn't have it. Um, but yeah, it was like a lot of little things like that where they could have just done better and obviously it's like these little development issues um you know things just happening way too fast in terms of pacing i mean like if you're gonna have a consequence you can't fix it in like the next sentence something that might argue a little bit is you you mentioned how aman could have been part of the red lotus you know who was unalak apparently how so they, they they mentioned it at some point in season three. No way. How he was a part of it. Yep. No way. Yes, they did. Why did they mention yeah. that? <laughs> they, they mentioned it. And so it was to help connect season two to season three a little bit, I guess. When did they say but, that? No, nah, they said it. I, I promise I'm you they said it. Up. I'm looking it but, up. Uh, moving on to season two, I thought, so when I first watched the series, I really enjoyed the Avatar 1 segment of season two. It was a very nice, yeah. well-contained story. It did its job well. But the more I look at it in the scope of the rest of the Avatar world, the more I'm not a fan of it. Because uh, season two started out with this really interesting concept about a civil war between the two water tribes. Right. And something that they could have done is like, so with The Last Avenger, Aang was this Avatar in this time of perpetual war. There had been this war going on for a hundred years. So some a new thing that we could see is how an avatar would act in a time of peace or maybe yeah. be more diplomatic about things. And Korra has that connection because she was not only raised in the Southern Water Tribe, but like the one of the leaders, the, the leaders are her dad and her uncle. Mm-hmm. And like it, it, it would have been so cool to see Korra try and maintain like core this like strong like i don't want to say like hot-headed but definitely like gung-ho character yeah trying to make peace between her family to try and stop these two to try and stop these two tribes from like coming to blows oh my god yeah Unalak was part of the Red Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like reading this nonsense. It's like, that's cool though. If they made it more like, like known, it would have been like really cool. Like this whole Red uh, Lotus thing. From the way that it was told, it, it seems like it was a decision made after season two was finished. Back to the whole Avatar 1 thing, like that could have been like, I mean, I know they did. I know they did it to set to set stuff up. But I feel like I feel like the whole Avatar One thing could have been like a separate entity, mm. and like because that that story in and of itself is very is very interesting. Because like Avatar One is like the first Avatar, right? Like, I remember I remember that correctly. Yes. Yeah. 
Avatar One. You are correct. Avatar oh, I've seen that. Wow. Okay, wow, that's both soothing and amazing. I love it. But um, yeah, I feel like that could have been like its own self-contained like short. But I I understand why why it was there. Um, but other other than that, like I thought it was. I thought the whole storyline is interesting, but not that memorable. Personally, like mm. I don't. I don't really recall. I remember in Avatar One, but listeners, if you could see the faces, Jai's. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to comment on it. Oh gosh, but yeah, I just I, I feel like I feel like it should have been should have been separate. Um, I do. I did want to see more of Korra being. I I, I feel like we didn't get to see Korra characterized enough i think that mm-hmm. i i think that um in the la- in the later seasons when she went through a whole like depression arc thing i think that was good i think that was good characterization i like i really like the idea a lot of seeing an avatar defeated yeah. um yeah adding to your point like if they just did that whole thing where she did lose her bending in the first season then it could have been um like that that could have been her whole depression kind of thing or like her doubting herself more like that that could have started it more but like tj said they were only supposed to do one and i guess if they ended on her not having bending it's such a depressing ending and everyone's like uh depressed because everyone you know no one has bending anymore she doesn't have bending anymore so i guess it would have been hard but it still wasn't it still didn't make much sense it still didn't make much sense Go ahead, though. I mean, <laughs> so to that point, right? When it comes to um, Cora, like being depressed and going through a whole depression arc, I feel like there's a better way to say that, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> it <laughs> so was a depression or, arc. Or, or did, should we call it the poison arc then? Yeah, the poison arc, right? Master I feel Yoda. like that idea is like, what, even even in any in any um, medium where you have a hero, right? I feel like we don't get to see enough of the hero having to deal with living in a world where the hero is defeated. Mm. And like, I remember, I don't I don't know if it was in the why the Legend of Korra is garbage video, but um, I, I remember seeing somebody talking about like, what if Korra just what what if the show focused a lot more on Korra's group? and them dealing with the issue specifically because they don't have Korra. I feel like that would have been an interesting way to, um, interesting way to deal with that. And they, and through that, they could have delved more into Korra's depression being like, I, and now I can't do anything. Now my friends are forced to do things. And maybe there could have been a death involved and then Korra gets more depressed. But in the end, she decides to stand up because she's the avatar, she has to do something. But that's just, that's just like, speculative uh, theory crafting in in a different world you know that's true and but, we're gonna get into more of that a little later in the podcast yeah. right yeah um but other other than that i feel like i feel like Cora as a character she we didn't get to see enough of enough facets of her um care of her psyche of her character mm-hmm. i think there are a lot of different a lot of different um, ways we could have explored it i personally think when you're creating a character you you have like this base character that you have, and then you have different ways you can try. You can look at that character, different perspectives. You know, we uh, see Cora as uh, we initially see Cora as a sort of like 
as you said, hothead. But she's like really, she's really just a persistent go-getter, you know. Um, the, and we see that from like the the beginning episode when she's a little baby. She's like, "I'm the Avatar, ha!" Huh? You know. That's yeah. and that's that's yeah. sort of the personality that they set her as. But I feel like we could have seen more of her from different angles, and I I I, I think that's I think that's what they, that's another reason that wow, excuse me. I think they should have explored um, her character a tiny bit more, and her and her like gang. I think they I think they should have explored a lot of the characters a, a lot more. Uh, book three, I have to say, is my favorite season of Legend of Korra. Uh, it has my favorite villain and all of Avatar, including Last Airbender. Yeah, I'll say it. I like Zakir better than I like Azula, better than I like Ozai, better than I like uh, pre face turn Zuko. Zaheer is my favorite antagonist in the Avatar series. And I think season three is the strongest to me personally. It had great action. It had tense moments. It even raised some like cool like questions for me too, in terms of like, like how much is an avatar really needed in this world like that, that's a question that was posed as a question that Korra had to wrestle with not only throughout the season but in the next season as well like a, a world that doesn't need an avatar when this is all she's wanted to do her entire life so like i i really enjoyed season three um i'm trying to think of anything i would change about season three me personally, I wasn't a biggest. I wasn't the biggest fan of the whole Janora wants her tattoos arc because I had not seen a lot from her previously that really. I mean, like, she had her whole thing in season two, though. With yeah, spirit. she she did like make the astral projection and like yeah. do do the whole. The season two finale is probably <laughs> my least favorite part about Gore, but yeah, like. If anything, I would maybe make that Janora trying to get her bending tattoos arc like mean a little more or have like a little more screen time because it just seems like, ah, oh, dad, give me my tattoos. I'm ready. I did this stuff. <laughs> no, you can't have your tattoos. And then <laughs> episodes later, when Tenzin is in, still injured from that whooping he got from the Red Lotus, <laughs> then Janora's like, all right, airbenders, follow me. And then she gets her <laughs> tattoos for it. <laughs> I think for season three, like the action was just amazing because of the mm. uh, the bending sub skills that you had mm. in there, um, and it, it was just it had another exciting villain like Aman and Zahir. I feel like was that feel like Zahir. What do you guys think? Is Zahir above Aman? Or in Aman my mind, yes. Yeah, I mean, okay. I like the idea of Aman better, but I think Zahir was executed better. Okay, yeah, because like he was. Because, like, season two, I didn't care about the villain. But season three, I got excited because, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Season three, I was like, oh, shoot. He got his whole squad. He's got airbending now. And and then he fought Tenzin. He killed. Well, actually, he was going to get beaten up unless his other people didn't come. Uh, And that that, that fight was very well. It it illustrated very well the difference between a good fighter and like a master of an element you can tell by the way they were moving how they were executing the different things just the difference in skill level between 
Zaheer and Tenzin as airbenders, even though Zaheer was still a threat. And that's that's one of the things I feel like was missing a lot in uh, just the series in general, like that whole thing. It's like if you set this up, if this person has this much power or if, uh, you know, you set this into motion, like the consequences should be uh, well paced and like understandable. So like if you know that this guy has just gotten the power of airbending, even if he's just even if he studied it, it he shouldn't be able to like destroy tens, you know, yeah. which he did not. He yeah. was he was good, but he could not destroy Tenzin. Yes. Tenzin would have I, destroyed him. I think that that's something. You're right. That's something. That's definitely something. Cora was missing was like the the masters of elements. Like like there there, there was n- aside from Tenzin, I can't really think of another sort of like bending master that got a lot of screen time. Yeah, like maybe um the the leader of the metal bending city. I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Top second daughter. Don't remember. I really don't remember. Suits. I want to say Suits. I have to look it up. Lynn, Lynn is the police chief, right? I yeah, remember Lynn. Kira so. and Toff. That's it. Yeah, because like everyone who was a high-level bender was kind of just like, I'm a high-level bender. Yes, yeah. it was Suits. Trust me, bro. Trust me, bro. I'm 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 really good. <laughs> um yeah. but uh, to the, uh, honestly. I think that I really, I think they they really should have done more with the with the bending masters because like think about to Avatar: The Last Airbender, right? You had you had um wow I'm forgetting their names Boomy of course yes. you had Boomy you had um uh what's the name Paku Paku um, yes Paku yeah you had the fire bending one the Zhang Zhang the deserter Zhang Zhang yes of course and then you had um Iro bending. Oh well, I will. I was just a master of. Was a master of firebending. I, I was just a master. He was. I. I'll, I'll talk master about of tea. The master of tea. <laughs> um. Oh, and you even had, uh, um, Sokka's master of sort of the sword dude, Piangyao. A Piangyao. Yeah. Yes. Him. He was. Pyongyao was really, really cool. I, I just, I, I thought that was awesome the way that they gave Sokka a master because everyone else had a master as well. Yep. Loki Toph is an earthbending master. Oh yeah, no, Toph definitely is. But I feel like Korra didn't have that. I mean, I guess it's it's slightly understandable because Korra came in mastering three elements out of four already. Well, quote unquote mastering. <laughs> um, but I feel like, I feel like Korra could have done better with that. They didn't really have anybody strong like that. I mean, they had Zuko, Katara, and Toph come back. Barely. You know, barely. They were like there. Like, no, like, no, Zuko got washed. Zuko got washed. He had a dragon. didn't do anything. <laughs> and like, Toph was cool, but like the other two just didn't do anything. And oh, Sokka was, was just killed dead. off screen. He had a dragon <laughs> with that, him. That, that really hurt my feelings. I was re-watching season one, and then she said, oh yeah, my brother is gone. I'm like, why? Sokka was <laughs> the best. Oh my gosh. But He's probably killed. Honestly, <laughs> oh, about season three, before I forget. What do you guys feel about the here and the idea of weightlessness? Because I still think that's really sick. I think that's flying. That was honestly, that's still probably the coolest subcategory to me. And I think they built it up very well. Like, first of all, lava bending. Awesome. Great ability. It was, it was so cool to see that kind of evolution. It makes sense how lava bending is done, but the way they set up 
um, the weightlessness and the ability of flight for airbenders from the beginning of that season to when Zaheer finally achieves it. Right. Like, it, it's clear what is needed spiritually and physically to achieve this task. Right. And like, it, it was just a really His cool. His girlfriend ability. gets killed, right? And then he can do yeah. it. Yes. So, so it was like, let go of your earthly tether. So like Zaheer throughout the season was always spiritual, but the, the key to unlocking weightlessness is to let go of everything, everything connecting you to earth. So when his lover plea dies Quite brutally, I might add, even yeah. though it was awesome. Oh my! Wait, was that the one where where um, uh, Mako shot the lightning down? No, no, no. That was brutal too. But Yo, she was a combustion she got lady. Destroyed, <laughs> dude. Su Yin like took off her metal. Ar- By the way, the metal bending in Korra is so cool. But like, yeah. she took off her metal armor and put it around Please face while she was about to do the combustion shot. Oh so, yeah. Same way that combustion man died, like it just blew back in his face. Yeah, it's similarly. Yeah, but, but like think about but not, your not head to the same explode. extent, but like yeah. she put it around, like she literally blew her head off. But yeah, um, yeah. But what what I was gonna say about that, I just think it's cool. I think it's so cool, not only because of the spiritual aspect of it, but because it was part of it was part of the last Airbender as well. Like I don't know if you guys remember. But when um Aang went to went went to go to the guy, um the like the spirit, the spirit guy. Guru Patik, yes. Yes. And he was um talking about the same thing about releasing your earthly tellers, but Aang didn't do that because he wanted to hold on to Katara. Mm. So like I feel like it's a nice, it's a nice little like kind of answer what would have happened if Aang um if Aang did give up Katara, like what kind of power he could have could have had. Yeah. But we got to see it through to here. I still, I also just think that the that the um idea of airbenders being able to fly, basically fly, I just think that's just really cool as well. Yeah. But I do, I do think that it was very well executed. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it was very well executed, and I think it was really, I think it it's probably my favorite part of the show. In fact, in, okay, in in terms of like show moments, I think the here like. Doing, finally achieving weightlessness is up there for, up there with like the final Agni Kai in terms in terms of like moments you do not know how many times I've rewatched that final Agni the Kai. final Agni Kai is just <laughs> an amazing piece of media in general yes. but I wish it was longer like it's not long enough true but this is also a video about Korra yes yes yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, Korra has some beautiful Korra. moments <laughs> in it too like, like we're not just going to spend the entire episode ragging on Korra and yeah. like there are good moments. It's it's beautiful. I, I love the fight between Korra and Zaheer. Just mm-hmm. like it, it's almost a, a reverse of like the Aang and Ozai final battle. Right. But like just Zaheer, calm, cool, collected, weightless, trying to fulfill his task of get, getting rid of the Avatar for good. And Korra, like using all of her strength. And like it's it's almost like Korra and the Avatar state itself is fighting to keep itself alive. So you have this more like feral animalistic style of her trying to get rid of this threat. Let's he move was... on to season four, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. four, this yeah, recap. Season four, like y'all got it, y'all got it. Because Kuvira, <laughs> actually... <laughs> uh, Kuvira, baby. <laughs> Kuvira. Um, for me, that season. It was pretty chill because like season three was it was like so hype 
and then you got the depression arc happening which was good i felt like it was a good thing to have because like Mm -hmm. finally like cora is like learning a lesson and i know it's like it's a little mean to say it but it's like i think she needed it um because it's a hard lesson it's not just like Mm. um i don't know what other lesson did she learn Ah, people hate me because I'm the Avatar. Uh, no, this is like people want to kill you because you're the Avatar, and now you're like feeling like the after effects of that. Um, so I think it was a pretty solid season, although like I didn't care much for Kuvira that much. Yeah, I, I would say she was like there, she's powerful. Her idea was it made sense, like what she wanted to do, but it's just like okay. Yeah, I mean, I would say. <laughs> That season was almost like a tale of two halves for me. Like, I loved the beginning of the season. I thought the buildup was great. Like, like you had – it was a time skip between season uh, three and season four, and you got to see where everyone was. Mako was uh, being this, like, bodyguard to the new Earth King. You had um, – what, what what's his brother? Bolin. You had Bolin, Bolin – uh being a part of Kuviri's like unification squad or whatever um I really liked Kuvira's aura and presence and how like so focused and calculated she was like her resolve was really good to see the things like calling herself the great uniter the way that she would like force choke her underlings with like their little metal collars was like a cool effect that she did and just like everything up to I think the invasion of Republic City was solid to me. And then the battle and like the aftermath of that battle was a little underwhelming to me. And I think part of that was due, at least on my first watching, was due to it being, I knew it was the end of the series and it was the end of Avatar, at least for the time being. This was before the news of Avatar Studios and everything coming out. So that ending felt underwhelming i might have put a little too much yeah. pressure on that ending to deliver but but you know why it's because like every season was its own thing and like for this to be the last season it didn't feel like there was a, like a lot at stake we know cora needs to like get out of her depression but that's it i mean she's just gonna defeat another villain you know mm-hmm. it's not like uh i don't know like everything's been building since this this season or maybe from like last season and now it's culminating no it's not Kabira is just another villain that's gonna do a thing and Cora's gonna stop it I think maybe we can end with something like a little fun you want to hear how I would do it (laughs) how I would write Legend of Korra how would you write this thing man so like I, I wouldn't I'll keep most of the things fairly the same just little tweaks that could do like it would mostly start at the end of season one. Like Aang would still come to Korra and like give her the bending back, but then also just tell her, hey, there's more to this bending stuff than just the physical moving of the elements. So I encourage you to go back through it, actually travel to the places and learn the spiritual side of these elements. Because like when Aang was learning how to bend, we got like the basic and like just and like some fundamentals of how bending works but like aside from the that little lesson that Iroh gave Zuko about redirecting lightning where he like kind of outlined the elements a little more there's still so much 
that can be talked about with these elements. Yeah. So that would lead perfectly into season two. If you have that water tribe civil war, you have core there trying to maintain order while also finding out how to better water bend spiritually. And of course you can still have that little arc about, Oh, Unalak should be my spiritual teacher. And like Tenzin, you're not my real dad, yada, yada. Uh, but you know who she turns to instead? Because of course, why wouldn't she do this? Katara. Oh, Katara. yeah. Katara. <laughs> like you, you have a water tribe civil war and you're not going to talk about the only survivor of like the water, the Southern water tribe waterbender genocide that essentially happened. Right. Well, like, uh, she wasn't that important. I don't know. I, she, she was and like moving on you continue on with like that red lotus story and like when they go to the earth kingdom to see if there are any earth airbenders that came back Korra could find another master or like learn something spiritual about earthbending there then she could get a call from zuko being like hey so i heard that you're traveling around i would really like to meet you and that can play into that Red Lotus story about how they're breaking out at around the same time. And then season four happens kind of the same too. So just a little arc that they could have done if they knew ahead of time that they would get four seasons instead of one. Yeah, for me, it's going to be like the Red Lotus is behind the scenes of like pretty much everything. Like, I feel like that would be such a cool arc and it'd be like, mm-hmm everything had to do with this organization that wanted to destroy the avatar because like in every single season they, they always wanted to destroy the avatar mm-hmm. uh i mean even in avatar um the fire lord wanted to destroy the avatar but um he also wanted to like take over the whole world with the whole fire mm-hmm. nation but like it could have been cool if it was like they just want the avatar because they just want the uh spirit world and the um normal world to just go back together and like have no like established leadership but that would turn every single villain's ideology into more of a uh just anarchist thing so uh, maybe they can change the exact goal but i feel like the red lotus thing was just such a cool Mm -hmm thing to have in there yeah something they could have done is maybe they're all parts of the red lotus and then zahir's gang is just some extremists from that group maybe but um i think they had some good villains with some good potential except for unalak that guy was whack and he's he's part of the red lotus batu made him whack (laughs) i'm telling you what made him whack is because the man was just like um we got to do this because we got to do this. And it's like, why? Why did you have to become a dark actor? If Vatu didn't exist, Unalak wouldn't be that way. You know what would have been great? I just thought of this. What if Vatu was like speaking to his mind, like the Lord of the Rings where the rings speaking to, <laughs> to uh, the, what's it, Gollum? Right? Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's making him be crazy. It's like, he's like, and that would make sense. Cause like Vatu's like, hey, you know, you like spirits. <laughs> uh, no. and then he's like, what if he tricks him what if he tricks him he's like i'm a good spirit he tricks him and thinks makes him think he's a good spirit and he's like oh my gosh like this this is what could like fix our world and then like vatu's like yeet that's that's all i have to say but all the other villains were great um 
Kubira was still mad, but she was still she was she was better than Unalak. Okay, yeah, that's all I have to say. But I, not much I would change. Um, obviously, uh, well, well, one thing I would definitely change: Amon would have stayed alive, and Amon would have been the overarching villain of the show. I, I at least that's what I think. And even going, Chai, why are you doing Chai? Why? Never mind. Excuse me. I think that Amon should have been the overarching villain and he should be working with the Red Lotus, like kind of like Jai's idea where the Red Lotus is like behind everything. But Amon would be like working the bad, working the scenes, like you think he's defeated and everything. And at the end of the show, he's not. And he comes back and there's sort of like a final showdown, sort of like in the same vein as the final Acne Kai. But obviously it's different because, you know, he's Amon. But that and that's just like that's just like my simple idea because I I think that the show does lack an overarching villain. Of course, there are uh, extraneous circumstances that that you know are the cause of that. But I think Amon would have been a great overarching villain. Uh, as for as for other little things, um, I would have liked to see a bit more creativeness when it comes to using bending in fighting situations. Mm. Um, uh, all those subsets of bending are great. I think I think the use of bending in society um, was a was a really cool thing that they did. I love the metal bending police. I think that's I think that is like the best idea that anybody, the Demarquino or anybody ever had. Right. I think mm-hmm. um, that that was really cool. But I feel I feel like I don't know. I feel like they could have been been a bit more creative in the ways that they use bending. A bit of a bit more bending, coupled with the surroundings to um, do something like I would have I, I would have loved to see like I, I don't I don't know just just something like people using water to erode rock and or you know you know what I mean to yeah. like use your surroundings a bit more creatively. Some more practical uses of like bending, like yeah. electricity. Yeah, or like or like cooking with fire bending. Yeah. You use firebending to melt to melt like a rock near you to create lava, and maybe the, maybe the person you're fighting can't lava then. You know things like things like that. Um, that, but you know, it, it is what it is. They, I, <laughs> I think that there were a lot of different ways that they could have um, done bending a little better. Um, yeah, yeah th- those are all the things that I would change. I don't really I, the only like if I were to create to change things like story wise, it would I would it would get like way too fan fictiony. So, <laughs> oh, another yeah. thing, I would have um, planted the seeds. I would have had Asami be the only um, romance for Korra and, uh, and have it start from the point that Asami um, enters into the show. Because yeah. Yeah, I would, there was like a love triangle, but without the whole, without the love triangle. But without Mako. <laughs> yeah, without Mako. <laughs> bro. Mako was a useless character, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, actually, honestly, like... They they really couldn't have given Iroh's voice actor's namesake to a better character. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it is it is what. It so is. wait, you wait, know, wait. when when Iroh came back, was that his original voice actor? No, no his original. Because like actor. I was listening to him, and I was just like, "That's not." His that's original not. voice actor passed away. I forget who he was replaced by, but he reprised his roles of like Iroh and Aku in Samurai Jack after Mako passed away. Mm. Yeah, but during during uh, during the last Airbender, like you remember the tales of Bossing Say? Yes, it leaves from the vine. That was a tribute to. Um, well, no, it wasn't a tribute. They attributed the they um, dedicated the episode to I was voice actor. Um, 
Yeah, because he died. Yes. So, and uh, but Iroh's voice actor who replaced him after Tales of Boxing say was the same voice actor who did Iroh um, in Legend of Korra. Really? It sounded different. Well, he's gotten older. Yeah. But with all that being said, whether you love Korra, hate Korra, whether you dislike Korra uh, unjustifiably or justifiably, <laughs> it's all better than that last Airbender movie. And we're still going to get so much more <laughs> Avatar content due to this new Avatar studio. Now tell so me, wait, wait, for the best. I don't know anything about that. Like, can you give me like a brief summary of like what that is? Brief summary, Avatar Studios is created to um, help facilitate the creation of the Avatar series thing that Netflix is doing that's based off of The Last Airbender. Oh, um, yes. The original creators were originally involved with the project, but they left the project due to creative differences, which is kind of strange to me because how are you going to have creative differences with the original creators of the show? But I think they, I don't know if they came back or like they're a part of Avatar Studios still. All I know is that um, whether that deal with Netflix fell through or not, Mike and Brian are back on with Avatar Studios and are creating stuff again, which like a a lot of people would say, oh, it's going to be great. We're guaranteed good Avatar content. But Mike and Brian also made Korra and that was just okay to me. So we'll see how it goes. But I am very much looking forward to it anything else that this property brings out this was our childhood everybody yeah. remembers water bending in the pool or in the shower and doing all that other stuff so I, i'm very excited on your arm in the shower and thinking you were a waterbender yeah That's oh, stuff so um thank you all for listening this has been our second episode i think it's been pretty fun yeah. and we got more coming guys yes Clap it up. We did it. Not clapping. You don't want to. You're clapping. You did it. You did it. Hey guys, Jai here. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to go follow us on our socials, we are Three Cousins Do a Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We will be posting updates about our episodes on both of our socials. So please give us a follow. If you'd like to share our podcast, you can do so. We are available on anywhere you can listen to podcasts, except iTunes. All right, guys. Bye.